Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. So glad to have you with us for the Beeson Podcast today. My colleague and friend, Dr. Robert Smith Jr. and I are here to introduce to you a sermon from today's pulpit. It's actually a sermon by my own son, Dr. Christian George, who teaches at Oklahoma Baptist University. He preached this sermon at the opening convocation for the spring semester in 2014, The Beauty of Brokenness. Dr. Smith, uh, you actually were the teacher of Christian George, so tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear from him today. And this is my beloved spiritual son in whom I'm well pleased. This is his odyssey, Dean George, of his suffering, his brokenness. Uh, He is moving in the direction of the theme of the Oklahoma Baptist University, which is on brokenness, the beauty of brokenness. One of the strengths of his sermon is identification. He wants the congregation to identify with himself, with the biblical character, particularly the the woman who had a 12-year hemorrhaging disorder, and ultimately to find the identity in Jesus. For one of the things he reminds the audience of is this, that you can never have a proper identification of who you are until you properly identify who Jesus is. So that ultimately is where he is moving us to. He's a weaver, Dean George. He's an exegetical weaver. I know he's your son, but that's what he is. And that's a a commendation, weaving both application and illustration into the text, a three-fold cord is not easily broken, as Ecclesiastes 4.12 will say. I think another strength of the sermon is his contemporary relevant language. He knows his audience consists of young people, and you will hear various terms and words that are dropped uh, in uh, that fit the congregation and also fit the text. Uh, I'm appreciative of the fact that uh, he opens and closes with the question, who is this Jesus? That represents the bookend of his sermon and this penetrating, unforgettable thought that it is better to be held by Jesus than to be healed by Jesus uh, is something that uh, I will never forget. Here's a message once again that God can take Um, and bring beauty out of ashes and hold us out of brokenness. Well, Christian George is a wordsmith, and he has a passion for reaching his generation uh, with the message of Jesus Christ. He's speaking out of his own personal experience here, Uh, very uh, graphic, very confessional. Uh, Let's go to Oklahoma Baptist University, the opening convocation, and hear a message by Dr. Christian George, the beauty of brokenness. Mm, mm, mm. Good morning. Words have a way of reminding us of where we've been. So, for instance, last year in 2013, we learned all sorts of new and fascinating words. Words like Bitcoin and cronut. A cronut is a donut made with croissant mix. You ever had a cronut? 
We learned words like pajama boy and Google Glass and Sharknado. A Sharknado is when a tornado picks up sharks from the ocean and then unleashes them on a city. I've never seen it happen. Imagine it'd be quite scary. <laughs> then, of course, there was that unfortunate word we had to learn, um, twerking, <laughs> which needs no explanation from me and nor demonstration for that matter. Words have a way of reminding us of where we've been, but there was one word in 2013 that was used so frequently that the Oxford Dictionary awarded it as being the 2013 word of the year. Guess what the word was? Selfie. Selfie was the 2013 word of the year. So look, this morning I'd like to begin by breaking a rule. Dale, I know, where are you, Dale? I know we're not supposed to use our phones in chapel, but let's go ahead and take out our phones. Take out your iPhone. Take out your Android. And I want you to click the little camera button. You might need to turn your flash on or reverse your screen. And then I want you to take the most fantastic selfie of the year. Can you do that? I'll do it with you. Now look, go ahead and stretch out your arms. That was pretty fantastic. Stretch out your arms. I don't see any phones. Come on, Dale. There you go. Turn your swag up a little bit. Where's Dr. Norman? Dr. Norman, they say squunching the face helps. So go ahead and squunch. Okay. All right. Do you have your selfies? All of you have your selfies? Good. Now, I want you to take a long, hard look at your selfie. And I want you to ask yourself a question. How do I define what's on my screen? Do you define it by its imperfections and its flaws? Do you define it by how chiseled the jawbone may or may not be? Do you define yourself concerning your GPA? Maybe you received less scholarship this year than you have previously. Maybe you define yourself by your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your fiance. How do you define your selfie? Well, today, as we enter into the theme of brokenness, I want us to take a look at a woman that society defined as being an outcast. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the eighth chapter in the book of Luke, Luke chapter eight. Luke was kind enough to post this girl's selfie to scripture for us to creep, and so I hope that by... <laughs> creeping her identity, you and I might gain a more biblical understanding of where our identities are truly found. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. Out of reverence and adoration for God's holy word, I invite you to stand to your feet for its reading. Hear the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. 
Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Verse 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately what happened? Her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pray with me. Lord, use these broken words to break our hearts for what breaks yours. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. It is only when we gain a proper understanding of Jesus that we can gain a proper understanding of ourselves. So let me ask you a question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Was he just a Jewish carpenter who was nailed to a piece of wood? Was he just a local magician? Casting his spells over nature. You know, some people think that Jesus was just a good teacher, a professor, who taught his students the difference between right and wrong, good and bad, life and death. Who do you say that Jesus is? Well, this was the question on the tip of the disciples' tongues. Look in verse 22. Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples. A storm arises on the sea, yet Jesus is sleeping beneath the bow. The water is white with foam. The disciples are white with fear. Yet Jesus rebukes the wind and he leans over and drops, as it were, an Alka-Seltzer in the waves. And the disciples wonder, who is this man that even the wind and the waves Obey him. Look at verse 26. Jesus encounters a demon-possessed dude. He was a guy who lived in the tombs. A satanic superman. Too strong to be chained. Too powerful to be subdued. Yet Jesus rebukes the demons and he sends them into a herd of kamikaze pigs. And the disciples wonder... To themselves, who is this man that even the demons 
obey. And now in verse 40, we read that the crowd is expecting Jesus. Well, of course they are. Here you have a man that nature obeyed and demons had to answer to. Here you have a man who healed the sick and embraced the contagious. Here you have a man who looks down at the water that he's walking on and sees H2O, two humble hydrogens and one obedient oxygen. Here you have a man who could feed Joel Osteen's entire congregation with two fish and five cronuts. Of course, the crowd is expecting Jesus. And they wonder, who is this man who acts more like a God than a man? And as Jesus is passing on his way, a woman, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 long years, was in the crowd. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what kind of bleeding disorder she had. We don't know that, but we do know that according to Leviticus 15... Her constant flow of blood rendered her ceremonially unclean. Now, what does that mean, preacher? So glad you asked. That means that this girl had not been to church in 624 weeks. If she had a husband, he had not touched her in over a decade. It means that this girl couldn't even check out at Walmart because society considered her to be unclean. There was no blue cross, blue shield for her. There was no Obamacare to cover her pre-existing condition. All the pills and all the potions and all the prescriptions could not cauterize her hemorrhaging. She was a nobody. The crowds thought she was a nobody. The disciples thought she was a nobody. Peter was probably somewhere trying to photobomb her selfie. But look at what Jesus says in verse 46. Someone touched me. But Lord, Peter says, everybody's touching you. No, Peter, says Jesus. Somebody touched me. Jesus calls a nobody a somebody. How many nobodies do you know here at OBU? How many nobodies do you know here in Shawnee? What's your policy on nobodies? Well, you know, God has a way of stopping for the nobody. You remember, Jesus is on his way to raise a 12-year-old girl from the dead. The great physician was about to cure a terminal patient, but he stops. He hesitates to heal a chronic illness. We have a word for that today, nursing majors. Uh, Today we call that malpractice. But Jesus stops for the nobody because he wanted to prove something to his disciples. He wanted to prove that, yes, he is sovereign over nature. He is sovereign over demons. He is sovereign over sickness. And what may seem like inconveniences to us, what may seem like embarrassments to us, are really just opportunities for Jesus Christ To showcase his greatness. The woman whispers to herself. At last. Here is a man. Who can heal me. I know that I am an unclean woman. 
But if I can just reach out my hand and snatch the sleeve of the Savior, I know I will be healed. And guess what? Suddenly a nobody reaches out of nowhere and 12 long years of bleeding stop in a heartbeat. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Did you know this is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus calls a woman daughter? The only place. And she goes from being a nobody to being a somebody to being a child of the Most High God. I'll never forget being a freshman in college. How many of you are freshmen? Well done. High school, I didn't care much for who does. Uh, college rocked my world. Living on my own, playing ping pong into the wee hours of the morning, waiting for the girl of my dreams to fall into my arms. Great things happen in cafeterias, by the way. It was a bright and sunny season in my life. Uh, little did I see the shadows hovering on the horizon. You have an incurable bleeding disorder, the doctor said. It's called ulcerative colitis. We don't know why some people get it, other people don't. We really don't know how to prevent it or how to treat it effectively. But we do know this. The amount of inflammation in your body will have serious impact on your health. Most people with your disease have double the amount of cancer risk, and many face premature death. I was a freshman. I remember walking out of the doctor's office that day, feeling lower than I have felt in all my life. You see, ulcerative colitis is a disease that attacks the digestive tract, so that everything I ate sliced its edges like razor blades through a watermelon, Blood became the brother I never had. For 12 long years, I bled. I bled as a college student at Sanford. I bled as a master's student at Beeson. I bled as a doctoral student at St. Andrews. And for the first three years of my teaching here at OBU, I spent a lot of my time in between classes, bleeding with Jesus in the lower GC bathroom. You know, I went to church and I sang the words to the song, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eyes on the sparrow. And I know he's watching me. But many days I didn't feel like anybody was watching me. All I felt were those painful, humiliating moments when I long to reach out my hand, that I might grasp the healing hem of the garment of God. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you know exactly what it's like to bleed with this woman. Maybe not 
physically, but emotionally. Perhaps you're hemorrhaging spiritually, psychologically, professionally, relationally. Whatever you're bleeding from this morning, whatever your brokenness today, I am standing here with a heart that is just exploding to tell you one thing. Attached to every thorn of pain, there is a rose of purpose. And in those moments when it seems like God is not going to remove our thorns, in those moments when it seems like hope is hundreds of horizons away, you can be confident that it is far better to be held by God than to be healed by Him. Well, you do know that Jesus Himself suffered from His own bleeding disorder. We can almost see Him there in the Garden of Gethsemane, can't we? Luke also posts his selfie for us to creep. You can creep Christ, that's all right. And Luke says that great drops of sweat became great drops of what? Blood. The next day, Jesus was beaten and bruised. He was mocked and ridiculed. The same society that knew how to construct a man out of marble, also knew how to tear one apart. I remember um, last, last year, this disease I had almost triggered uh, my death. It triggered my appendix to rupture. I taught the entirety of a January class called God Goes to the Movies uh, with a ruptured appendix, three weeks. By the time they rushed me into surgery, they were shocked that I was still breathing. They said, it's a miracle. Then they removed that abscess. They removed um, the appendix that had ruptured. And 12 years to the very month after I first started bleeding, they removed that part of me that had been so heavily diseased. Jesus knows what it's like to bleed. And as he was being crucified, even the sun had to put on her sunglasses as God turned his back on God. And Jesus Christ exchanged his purity for our contamination as he was crucified and dead and buried. And that was on a Friday. But there's some good news to this story. The story doesn't end on a Friday. Amen? The story of your faith does not end on a Friday. Now look, I know it feels like Friday. Your boyfriend's cheating on you. Your parents are divorcing. Your GPA has fallen terribly low. Maybe your addictions have gotten the better of you. I know it feels like you have a future of Fridays ahead of you. The economy's depleted. Have you seen the job market? Doesn't look too good. Student loans have a way of just piling themselves all the way to the ceiling. 
But hang on, bison, because Sunday's coming. And 2,000 years ago, on a bright, sunny Sunday morning, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. 2,000 years ago, at the end of the world's longest weekend, the father leaned down to whisper to the son, Honey, it's time to get on up out of that grave. And Jesus Christ was raised to life, and death was laid to rest. And because of the resurrection, you and I can live, beloved, as though we will live again. Because of the resurrection, you can place all your eggs in the Easter basket. Because of the resurrection, you can take a good, hard, long look at yourself. And you can say that I am not defined by my disease. I am not defined by my disorder. I am not defined by what I wear, what I look like. Are you waving to yourself? Mm. I am not defined where I work, what I drive, maybe where I don't work. Professors, you are not defined by the opinions of your peer review committee. Nor are you defined by the comments on your student evaluations. Students, you are not defined by your botched relationships. You are not defined by your parents' expectations for you. You are not defined by your best friend or your worst enemy. You are not defined by your limitations or your aspirations. You are not defined by your regrets. You are not defined by your mistakes. Even the deepest, darkest sins in your life. The ones that could just ruin you if somebody found out. They might confine you, but they cannot define you. And why is that? Because you are not defined by what you do. You are defined by who you are. And who are you? Well, when God looks for you in his dictionary, this is what he sees. You. Noun. Beloved child of the Most High. That's your definition. You are the beloved of God. And only when you begin to know who and whose you really are can you begin to do what you were born to begin to do. Well, here's my challenge for us as we enter 2014, as we talk about blessed are the broken in this chapel series. This is my challenge to us. As a community, do not enter this semester alone. Did you know that you were not created to be alone? You were created in the image of a God who hangs out in a crowd of three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love the way that Jonathan Edwards hashtags it. One happy and holy society. I know it's a little anachronistic. He hashtagged it that way. One happy and holy society. Oh, that our society 
could mirror his society. Oh, that our campus could mirror his campus. I don't care what they say. I believe that you are the revival generation. I believe that you are the water walkers. I don't care what they say. But from one millennial to another, let me say this. Beloved, it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to put all your weight against all your faith and risk something. Risk everything. For the Christ who reached into the blackness of time and grabbed hold of nothing and decided that nothing should become something and altered absolutely everything so that one day he could bless and adopt you with anything. I dare you. Find the pain on this campus this semester. And believe me, there's a lot of pain at OBU. And be as broken for them as Jesus Christ has become broken for you. Let's let 2014 be the year, not of the selfie, but of the selflessy. I think that's a word. <laughs> that's your word. Carve it into your dictionary. Selflessy. Because, and listen to me now, you are not going to change this world unless you yourself are first changed. So who do you say that Jesus is? Well, he was a prophet, but he is the very word of God. He was a priest, but he was also the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. He is a king, but he is more than just a king. He is the king of all kings. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord over nature. He is Lord over demons. He is Lord over disease. And He is Lord over death. Is He Lord over you? And if He is, the God who heals you in verse 44 will raise you in verse 54. And on that day, every tear will be wiped from every eye. Every sickness will be wiped from every slate. And you will hold not only the hem of the garment of God, but with hands outstretched, you will be embraced by the everlasting arms of the Almighty. Pray with me. Spirit, lead us to where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters wherever you would call us. Amen. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. 
We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.